could just close your eyes um, and allow, I'm going to just read the scriptures to you for a little while. And I just really believe God's going to speak to each one of us while I do this, but you just need to be receiving from him. So Father, I just thank you that Lord, we will hear something directly from your heart to us this morning that will bring a transforming work in our lives and our situations. We want to give you uh, this next period of time where we're coming around your work. And Father, I just ask you that you'll speak clear to each one of us. Keep your eyes closed, please. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in, in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I am writing a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. 
They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledged the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remain in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But in his anointing, as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as the anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. 
Dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will have, what we will be, has not yet been known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purifies themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appears so that he might take away our sin. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. But the, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Because God's seeds remain in them. They cannot go on sinning. Because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are. And who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child. Nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his own one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is his love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and be in he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen um, um, and testify that the Father has seen sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they are in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love the brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given them us, he has given us this command. 
Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And then I'm just going to read something, a couple of chapters from Luke, or just a couple of verses from Luke. Luke chapter 6. And then from Luke chapter 8. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundations on a rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it is well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck, the house collapsed and its destruction was complete. And then from Luke 8, after this, Jesus traveled from town to town and village to village proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and many people followed him. He taught this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on the rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded the crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others. I speak in parables so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing but they may not hear and understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and, preserving, and by persevering, produces a crop. Father, I just ask you, as we have read your word, but I just ask you that you have spoken to each one of us something from what has just been read. Lord, we want to take hold of your word. 
We want to see it as precious. Not something to be taken lightly. But we want to be people who hold on to the truth. We don't want to be like the foolish builder who hears the word and does not do anything with it. We don't want to be like the sower who sows seeds on the path and we just leave it, we ignore and therefore it's then taken away. We don't want to be all Lord in uh, thorn bushes or anything else. We want to allow your word to be sown in good soil. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name. One of the um, books that I've been reading at this moment in time is the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is an interesting book. Um, if you ever want to aspire to be a prophet to the nations, then um, please have a read of that book first. Um, or some of the other minor prophets uh, that you read about, because they sometimes have a pretty bad deal. You know, you have somebody like Jeremiah who was um, alive during the time um, of some of the kings of, um, of Judah and Israel. And it was a time where God was warning them to repent, to come into the right relationship with God in order for Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon at that time, not to come and destroy uh, Jerusalem and there were many prophets, even before Jeremiah, who were warning the people to get their hearts right, to come into a place where they were with a repentant heart, asking God to bring the word into situations. And the word of God came so many times through so many prophets, and Jeremiah was one of them, Isaiah was another one. Alive during this period of time, were just before the exile, and um, Jeremiah particularly was just at the start of the exile when Israel went to Babylon for 70 years, which was a prophetic word. But the kings at that time, princes at that time, wanted the word of God, invited Jeremiah and other prophets to speak into the situation, but then chose to ignore it. How daft is that? How daft is that that they want the word of God, but when it doesn't sound what they wanted to hear, they rejected it and chose to uh, accept some of the other words that were spoken that were not from God, but people said it was from God. One of my questions, and I believe God wants to ask all of us, is what word are you running with at this moment in time? Personally, do you have a scripture that God has given to you that you are living by, that you are praying through on a day-to-day -day basis? And this could change. It's not something that suddenly you have some a lifetime scripture which you may have that God has spoken over your life when you were twelve or ten or even you know fifty-six. Why did I choose it? <laughs> it's not my age. But <laughs> she said not yet. <laughs> but you know, for me, 
when I, I, I read um, Isaiah, and I, I, sorry, Jeremiah, and I, I just got hold of it in a, a very, very different way. And I believe that one of the things that all of us need to do is to, um, again, say, God, what is the word that you're giving me to run with? That I can base my life on for this next period of time, this next season, so that I can hold on to the truth of your word, so that I'm not going to be like the foolish builder who hears something from God and doesn't put it into operation. As Helena has been saying, um, it's like currently we're in a battle zone in many different facets of our lives. It may be individually, but we certainly are in the nation. We're in a battle, we're in a spiritual battle, whether you have perceived that or not. The truth is we're in a spiritual battle. There is a, a fight for the for me, the soul of this country. And I'm not saying whether it's Brexit or remain, that's up to you to go before God to make those decisions. But for me, there is something that is a real um, cry and there's a battle cry going on. And it's not that we need to begin to function on our opinion, because our opinions sometimes can fluctuate. We have to base everything that we do on the Word of God. And as we move forward, it's advancing with the Word. And one of the reasons why I spoke from the 1 John um, scriptures, 1 John chapter 1, 2 and 3, that's what I read at the beginning. They're great practical scriptures that have a meaning. And one of the things that I genuinely believe that whatever is going on, whatever battle you are facing, we need to make sure that we are understanding that that book of 1 John talks about so much love for one another. It talks about our brothers and sisters. It talks about your workplace mates, your work colleagues. It talks about your family and friends that you may be struggling with. We do not hate, we need to love. And that is a command from God. And if there is any element that we need to make some adjustments today, I want you to make those adjustments. I believe God wants you to make those adjustments to, to have a mindset and a mentality that sort of says, actually, I want to line my life up with the Word of God. I want to make sure that in every situation, every circumstance, that doesn't mean that we're walked over. Christians can sometimes um, allow themselves to be walked over. I'm not saying that. Sometimes I think we've got to be bold and confident in who God created us to be, and therefore we need to be stepping into situations, circumstances, like Jeremiah did. He was going to see kings and princes. He was speaking to the high echelons of society, and Nebuchadnezzar heard about Jeremiah. When Jeremiah, when Nebuchadnezzar did invade Jerusalem and took off the captives, he called for Jeremiah and basically gave Jeremiah a choice of what he wanted to do. He could go to Babylon for 70 years or he could remain in Israel with the, the people that Nebuchadnezzar allowed to remain in that land. Yet even then, you know, when, when uh, he decides to stay in Israel, in Judah, and Judea. One of the things that, you know, happened and other people who Nebuchadnezzar had left in charge to look after the place, they asked what the word of the Lord is. And then they chose to ignore it. 
How that is that? When the word of the Lord came strongly through Jeremiah, the people were exiled because Jerusalem had fallen. So the word of the Lord had been proven to be true through what Jeremiah had said was the word of God. And then a little while later, some people were asking, what is the word of the God? Jeremiah spoke, but they choose to ignore it. Not just once, but twice when they went from uh, Judea into Egypt. And then absolutely Nebuchadnezzar came and invaded Egypt as well. Because God's word was going to be fulfilled. God's word of your life is going to be fulfilled. And I just want to encourage each one of you to get hold of the word of God in a fresh new way and to, if you've got a word from God, just to continue to say thank you, Father, for that word that you have given to me, that I can continue to base my life upon that rock, not that sand. I don't want even one of the sides of my house to be on sand. And that's why for me it's important that I constantly examine myself, not because I want to see something that's a pointed finger at me, but I don't want my life to be anything or being based on anything that is not the Word of God. You see, you know, I know that there's a number of people who are not 100% well at this moment. We're declaring health and healing over each one of you, and, and we do that in our private time as well as sometimes we do things corporately here. Why? Because that is not, for me, you know, I'm not blaming anybody or anything like that, please. There is different situations and circumstances, but I want every one of our lives to be based on truth. And for me, the truth of God's word is that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we are healed. Now, you know, we could have a whole seminar on healing. God is your provider. It's another thing that is a promise from God, yet I know that some people are struggling financially or in other areas of our life. Now, who's right? Is the word of God right or is my experience right? And we've got to make a choice that even in difficult and challenging situations that maybe some of us are all you know, facing and the battles that are facing in our country and in our individual lives, we've got a choice to come to God and say, what is your word in this situation? And hold on to that word despite the situation. Or are we going to sort of say, oh, my experience um, is different from that word, and so I'm going to result in So, you know, one of the things that we need to constantly remember of is what's the word? I believe Jesus wants to draw us back to what the word of God is saying. For you, for me, for our nation, actually. 
Because God is not being caught out of surprise at what's taking place in Parliament. God's not being caught out by what's happening in your life. He knows. Now, in the scriptures, it talks about, you know, we overcome um, our enemy by the word of the Lord and the, our testament, our truth. So scripture constantly says that we are going to have our battles. You're going to have to be overcomers. If you are an overcomer, that means you've got to overcome something. There's, um, I don't know of any things, I, I, I love cowboy films, um, and uh, even the black and white ones. Um, and I, I just was reminded when I was about to fall asleep last night about um, a film we were playing in Eastwood called Hail Rider. Does anybody remember that? Um, no. 99.9% say no. Two of us say yes. Three. But in, in, the, in this particular situation, um, Clint Eastwood plays a, a, a priest um, and a minister, uh, but he's also a gunman. I don't get it. <laughs> but in, that, that's not what I'm trying to get to. But he. Um, it's basically, um, there's a group of people who are panning for gold. And there's another mining company that is trying to control the whole area. And they're trying to, uh, to kick out uh, these um, small holding people. But there's a, a particular situation that, as I was falling asleep, I remember one scene and there was um, a big rock. Um, which was stopping the water running down um, through the particular part of the land. And they were wanting to shift this piece of rock in order to allow the water to come down and the potential of the gold then to come because they were planning for uh, not mining for gold. And they they were talking about this is an immovable object. And they were trying to discuss how can we get water to come because this rock was in its place. And Clint Eastwood is sort of saying, we can move this. And he got a pick fact, he got a big hammer, and started to hit the rock. And then one after the other started to come and join in and over a period of time, the rock cracked, it was broken, it was shattered, which allowed the water to come through. Why do I think God reminded me of that? I think there's, there's a river that God is wanting to flow through your life. I think there's something of the Holy Spirit that wants to flow, that he wants you to flow. And I think sometimes... Through different situations and circumstances, obstacles come in the way. And it's sort of like a block that comes in. Now, I do, I believe that in Matthew 16, it talks about we speak to the mountain and it can be removed. I believe all that stuff is around. And I can tell you a testimony of what happened in the village in Nepal, where there's a big rock that people used to worship on in that particular place. And they said, we've got to see this destroyed. 
And we've got to see this mountain move, this Christian um, um, people, some people that we know. And this is personally who knew these people. And they went into this village to preach the gospel to this village. And as I say, there was this huge rock in the middle of it, which they worshipped at, and said, this object's got to move. They went to sleep thinking nothing of it. The following day, it had moved. It was out of the village. It's, it's somebody we knew. Chuba Eyo, his name was. We knew him. We met him. So this was not somebody who told me a story about a story about a story. This is the, from the lips of a man that we personally knew. So but I know that stuff. But there's also times where we have to overcome things. There's obstacles that come in, the challenging times, the things that we've got to see breakthroughs. And we then have to make sure that in those situations, that it's like that hammer, but what are we hammering with? Is it something of our own strength, or are we going to be hammering with the word of God? This has to go because Jesus has said something. You know, I know family situations. Things have got to change, but we've got to bring the change with the word of God, not with just our old ideas. But these, you know, there's things that happen in my life, in your life. Whether you've been a Christian for many years or you don't know Jesus yet. The truth of what we spoke about from that chapter 1 John describes a loving God who is crying out to the world for relationship. Or whether you've been a Christian for 40 years, 50 years. All of these things remain the same, that all of us will have challenges at times, and we've got to make sure what is our hammer that is going to break that rock, that then will allow the Holy Spirit to flow in a more powerful way into that situation, into that circumstance, to bring change. In the middle, not um, after a couple of other scenes, somebody did find a gold nugget because the river was flowing. Somebody did find a gold nugget. Nugget. And anyway, that's the film. But the whole thing is about there are there are gold that God wants us to collect, and I'm not just talking about something physical. It's not money. This is something spiritually we're talking about. It's life that God is wanting to give, to bring that freedom into every area of our lives so that we've not got any area on the sand, we're all based on the rock. And when the wind does come, and even in that parable, the wind came. But what are we basing our life on when the wind does come? And that's got to be the word of God. When there are challenges at work, Situations are tight, maybe financially, maybe accommodation, maybe different things, different situations may come across our path, maybe family relationships. We've got to make sure that we're breaking that rock, that stumbling block, that obstacle. Again, remember we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against the principalities and the power of darkness that is coming against us. So we're not talking about people, but we're talking about sometimes where if, if God, the enemy might work through a person, but we're not coming against the person. We're coming against the spirit that is working through that person. 
And that's what we then need to bring that hammer, that word, into that situation. And sometimes we've got to be persistent. Remember the parable about the persistent widow? She didn't get the bread the first time. She wanted bread to feed her visitors. Knock, knock, knock. He didn't. But she was persistent. She went on knocking. But she was knocking for a purpose. And sometimes I think, you know, as Christians, we it's so easy that we we say a prayer once or twice, but then nothing happens, and then we go try and do things in our own strength. Anybody been there? <laughs> Instead of saying, no, that this is the word of God. This is what he told me. This is the, 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 I know that this is the end goal. This is God's end goal in this situation. And so I'm going after God's end goal. And I'm going to pray and pray and pray until that changes. I'm not coming against this, the person, if it's a person, but I'm coming against the spirit that is working through that situation or circumstance. I'm going to hammer it until that rock, that boulder, shatters, which will then release something fresh into that situation, that change into that situation. Again, it's coming back to what the Word of God says. And I really do need to remind us that all of those scriptures about God's love in 1 John, that we are children of light, not darkness. And part of our foundation needs to be based on those scriptures. James is another very, very practical book. Doesn't mince his words, does he? 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. It doesn't mince his words. It's very, very clear. You love me, then you've got to love others. If you don't love others, that's God, not me. That's why none of you can say that you haven't heard something from God this morning. <laughs> because the word has been read. And, and, and I, in all seriousness, I said that because I, I want you to understand the importance of God's word. There are so many different situations and circumstances in churches out there that are trying to change this. This amazing book. There are people in situations trying to say that, you know, things like, you know, um, Israel is, you know, the church has replaced Israel. That's nonsense. Because that's not the truth. When you get into the Word and hold on to the Word and speak the Word, proclaim the Word. And I'm not just talking about being on the train and just quoting scripture at people. We're talking about our lives being light. Just as it was what we've just read from 1 John. Our lives are full of truth. Why? Because we're allowing the word to continue to impact our lives. We're allowing the word to come to make sure that if there is a couple of rocks or something suddenly split off on one of our sides, that we're quickly repairing them so it doesn't become subsided. You know, and then we have to get all the concrete back in so that this house, one by the size of a house, doesn't fall. You've got a situation in Norfolk. I don't know if you know Norfolk, but 
the, the water's coming in um, quite quickly and the land is getting eroded and I don't know if you've seen some of these pictures of how it's right on the um, end of a cliff and you see one side about to fall off and they have to leave the property because the land has been eroded away. God doesn't want any one of us to ever be in that situation. That's God's heart for you. He wants you to always be on the rock without any danger of one of the sides falling down. But he knows it's, you've got to do it his way, not our way. You know, in funeral service is one of the uh, most common songs. A song at this moment is uh, Big Crosby, I did it my way. So sad, isn't it? Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Oh, it's not Big Crosby length. No. <laughs> I'll show you what I know. <laughs> Frank Sinatra. It is. Uh, it's one of those songs that are sung constantly at funerals. And there's a, in, inside of me, there's a cry. Because God's sort of saying, no, I don't want you to do it your way. Look at the scripture, look at through the Old Testament, the, the church, when they started to do it their way, all sorts of things began to happen that was not God's heart or God's longing for them. But because God has given us a free choice, he's not going to turn us all into robots. We all have a choice. Every day, every single one of us has a choice to make. Are we going to do it God's way, or am I going to do it bit of God's way, possibly, and some of my way? Just close your eyes again, please, as we come to an end. Just want you to respond to God in your own way, in your own words. You don't have to be shouting and screaming, but for me it's always good to respond to what God has said. You might have read when I was reading one job about God's love and how influences the world can sometimes come and infiltrate our daily life. You might just want to Say to God, Lord, I just want to uh, again come back into alignment with your best purpose for my life. You might have realized during the reading of the scripture that, oops, I've started to get annoyed and angry about having <coughs> that person. And it may be that you have to quickly say, God, forgive me. And that's a quick thing to do. And then help me to see that it's not the person, but it's a spirit that is operating around that situation that I'm coming against, I'm fighting against, I'm pushing against. But Lord, I don't want to, or Lord, do anything contrary to your word. So you tell me to love that person. So Father, help me, show me how to love that person in the right way. Not to be walked over, but Lord, to be in that place 
we're, we're doing what you command us to do. Lord, maybe that in, in that scripture you felt, wow, my love for God has come a little bit colder than it should have been. Lord, I realize, God, you are so amazing. And your love has been so amazing. And again, it may be that God wants, and through that scripture reading, that God reminded you of what he has done on Calvary. That he forgave your sin. He reminded you that once when we were apart from him, we confessed our sin, yet he was faithful. He was faithful and still remains faithful to this day to forgive us, to cleanse us to set us on a path, on a journey, not alone, but with his spirit leading and guiding us in all truth. Again, you need to put words to these things. Whatever God reminded you of or showed you afresh, it may be that you know, there is some challenges in your life at this moment in time and you've been trying to hit that rock with many different things. And God has just reminded you that there is, it needs to be with the Word of God. And if you've not got the Word, then ask God, Father, I just come before you. I want to always see these obstacles, these challenges removed with the Word of God. Not with my own strength, my own ability. But Lord, I want to see you release your power to be at work in this situation. And so, Father, I ask you for your word to enable me to speak these words. Oh, Lord, to see that rock removed, that obstacle moved, so that that free-flowing spirit, that water, like a fountain of life to flow back into this situation, that circumstance, to see change taking place.